Welcome to another spine-tingling episode of the Lovecraft Tapes Podcast. I am Jeremy, your keeper of arcane lore, and we are playing Chaosium's 7th edition Call of Cthulhu horror role-playing game based upon the fictional works of H.P. Lovecraft. Your investigators of the unknown are... Matt as Dan Williams. I didn't start the fire, but it's always been burning since like a couple minutes ago. Gabe is Roy Arroyo for now. I guess you could call me the extra crispy Roy Arroyo. And Brian as Jack Whiteside. We need to start carrying all this fire extinguishers with us, I think. All right, how's everybody doing today? What's the uh, one thing you learned today? That HP Lovecraft tales are fictional. What? You don't say. Spoiler alert, man. I learned that be over-prepared when you're brewing your beer. It may take more than 12 bottles. <laughs> and the panic that ensues and the mess in your house after, just let it go. I learned that unless life also hands you water and sugar with those lemons, your lemonade is going to suck. <laughs> and I learned that Migos technically can't fly on the Earth plane. That's not fair. Well, we do need to launch into Letters from Beyond. We got quite a lot of feedback lately since we last recorded, which was a week ago. Oh, yeah. A lot happens in a week. Time means nothing. On Facebook, we got a very nice message from Andy Lutz. She says, OMG, iPod Friday at work, listening to the Lovecraft Tapes Real Play podcast. It was all I could do to not burst out laughing in the office at episodes 21 and 22. Brian and his voluntary sanity role, LOL. Then 23 devastated me, and now on 24 and totally discombobulated. I feel like I've lost a friend, guys. I want to skim over the next few episodes and see if I can find the friend again. This podcast has become my life. Thank you so much. That's nice. I like to go insane. I wouldn't recommend that uh, our podcast become anybody's life, but... But if it has to, I'm glad it's your life. Your life, no. Your wallet, yes. Give us all your money. My life is a different story. Oh, God. Also on Facebook, Brett Cosby. Love the podcast. You guys have inspired me to actually start being the keeper for Call of Cthulhu one-shots with my normal D&D group. Did my first one for Halloween, but I'm hoping to get a regular game going soon. I'm currently working on writing a Christmas-themed adventure for my group. Cool. Brett, definitely go back and check out the one that George ran for us. The uh, Christmas-themed one from, uh, gosh, almost a year ago. Almost a year. Yep. Closing it on, yeah. That was a lot of fun. Remember that, Gabe? Remember that one? Yeah. <laughs> on Reddit, unknown FET715 said, Hey, that Halloween episode was spooky. I didn't understand what was up with your voice until the end. Uh, it worked. I could see that goddamn witch coming down the stairs, jittering all blue. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> I got your ass. <laughs> Finally on Google Plus, Tom Pleasant, also in regards to the Halloween episode, said, Love it. Going back to the start to catch up with your other episodes. So, welcome, Tom. Good to know we have the entirety of Google Plus listening to our podcast. That's like not that many people, though. Everyone. Gentlemen, before we begin, we do need to take a quick commercial break. And now, a word from our sponsor. Well, howdy, partner. I'm Bernard, the sole owner and proprietor of Bernard's Toolshed, located just two towns over from Leland in the beautiful state of Texas. For the last six decades, I've bought and sold many a tool, from your basic flathead screwdriver to a complicated floor joist. The only thing we don't cotton to is power tools. No need for them, no sir. We do things the old-fashioned way down south. Take this here spade shovel. It has surely seen its share of use, but if we scrub away a bit of this dirt, you can see it still keeps the edge. What's that? Well, I guess, yeah, those do look like teeth marks. Never mind about that, then. Maybe you need to defrost the old fridge in the garage. How about this ice pick to lend a hand? Never mind that red stain, that's just a little rust is all. Over here is the pickaxe aisle. We got a lot of them for some reason. Picked up this one at a nearby medical warehouse. Only one owner. Frank, I think his name was. Anyway, the tip's a little blunt. Skull bone will do that. You can sharpen it up yourself with a grindstone, save 50%. And that's what it's all about, right? Just remember, you save big money when you shop Bernard's. No questions asked. And we're back. <laughs> Jeez. I thought I could hold my breath for the whole commercial, and it was close, but, you know, I, I made it through. I am. I'm not feeling right. <laughs> I, I don't know. Okay, let's go. It's got to be that stone beer you're drinking. No, no, it was the commercial, you son of a bitch. And now, we continue. Chapter 5, Hell House. Previously, on the Lovecraft tapes. 
Roy is thrown into the town jail for his unlawful behavior towards Mitch Landrum and the owner of Dangling Bullhorn Tavern and makes fast friends with a deceased rat before biding his time until dinner. Meanwhile, Jack survives his encounter with a fallen mannequin and strikes out to find Dan who, as it turns out, blunders into Lauren. She is none too thrilled to have the two investigators traipsing around the Angerstein house, so she threatens to call Chief Weaver. Jack manages to distract her with his tale of Bradley's planned Molotov attack, escorting her out to the woods where they argue and part ways. Dan tries to creep back up to the attic. Instead, he falls face first in front of Eva, who creeps him out with more of her devilishly accurate prodding of his most sensitive memories of the war. They leave the house and swing by the police station, flirting with Cynthia and filling out paperwork before grabbing grub at the diner and retiring back to the screen door in for the night. Deputy Steve brings Roy delicious lingua tacos. The agent is so intent on his meal, he can barely summon the gumption to turn around when Bradley appears at the jailhouse window with a Molotov cocktail, which he hurls at Roy. It is now early Monday morning, October 23rd, the day of Kelly Landrum's funeral, and only one day until Hell House opens to the public. Jack. Yes? You awaken at dawn to the furious buzzing of your cell phone on the nightstand next to your bed at the screen door inn. Wearily, you reach over. It is Assistant Director Skinner. You take the call, and I'm going to give you a handout, which you can read for yourself. Dan, you've had a rough night. The food from last night's dinner did not sit well. Between trips to the toilet, you keep checking your phone, half expecting to see some kind of response from your voicemail to Samantha. There is no word. You've felt the crush of loneliness before, but like a thirsty man who has been given a drink only to have it taken away again, the empty hours of early morning feel like a yawning chasm of chaotic nothingness. At some point, tossing and turning in the sweat-soaked sheets, you finally succumb to a fitful sleep filled with writhing tentacles and glowing eyes floating in shadow. When a banging at the door commences, you awake with a flailing start, pinwheeling off the bed and ungracefully to the floor. Ow. Uh, I guess I'm going to gather myself up and uh, go poke my head out the door to see who's making such a loud noise. A ruckus, you could say. Standing on your doorstep is Jack. He is dressed and he looks kind of impatient. Uh, hey, Jack. A little early. What's up? We gotta get going. Okay. You mind, you mind giving me a few minutes? I should probably put some clothes on. I think you look great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'll give you ten. Meet me at the car. Will do. I'm gonna duck back into my room and hastily just kind of throw on whatever clothes I can find lying around. It's a tutu in the tube top. <laughs> I'm going to make sure that my phone is in my pocket, check it one more time to see if I have any new messages or anything, and then I'm going to head out to the car to meet Jack. I wave him to get in the damn car. Don't just go out to the car. <laughs> Swing over and hop in the passenger seat. I lock the door before he gets it. Oh. Psych. We got some information from Skinner. The paperwork we need so we can get the sheriff off our ass? Yeah, she's faxing that over. I'm not I'm not too worried about that. That will be taken care of. Cool. They have spotted Bradley a couple towns over, so the FBI is going to be taking care of that. That's good. We need to get as much information and dig deeper into this investigation. So she wants us to put the spurs to him, huh? That is correct. Okay. So why don't we, first off, what time is that funeral today? It is at 10 a.m. What I'd like to do is I'd like to run by the uh, the haunted house. We are going to make sure that nobody is in that house, and we are going to scour it top to bottom, the two of us. Things got a little weird last time we were there, so... That is correct. We're going to stick together, and we're going to make sure this is taken care of. Okay. I'm going to take out my phone, and I'm going to text Skinner saying that we need as much support as we can. We're going to empty out the haunted house of any people, and we are going to take charge and go through the house with nobody in it, completely abandoned so we can make sure we're checking every nook and cranny. Okay. Whether that's sending a, some FBI agents over to help assist keep people out, or a different law enforcement group coming in to help, anything that, we, that can help us is what we need. Okay. So you send that text? All right, get in. We're going. Shotgun. I'm going to drive us over to the haunted house. Roy, consciousness ebbs and flows like the tide of a vast ocean, pulling you further from shore than slamming you against the craggy rocks of some alien landscape. You're aware of voices, some of them familiar, some unknown. Time becomes elastic, immeasurable. A vague burning pain encircles your head like a crown of thorns. And sometimes you realize you're screaming, Put it out! Put it out for God's sakes, it burns! 
Then something icy cold washes over you, inside you, and the pain recedes. So, Roy, you are currently under the care of the doctors in Dallas. You've been taken there overnight for intensive burn recuperation and healing. Currently, right now, the doctors are not quite certain that they can bring you back from the brink. You lost quite a lot of hit points. The doctor said I lost a lot of hit points. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do, Jim. He's lost a lot of hit points. We're, we're pumping hit points into him as much as we can. But on top of that, the additional sanity loss has compounded the uh, wounds. So for right now, we're going to have to leave you in the care of the doctors in Dallas. Damn it, Jim. I'm a doctor, not a doctor. We'll check in with you as we go along, further along this chapter. But meanwhile, uh, we're going to have you play Aaron Martinez. I believe it's pronounced Aaron Martinez. Aaron, you're alone at home, sitting at your kitchen table, drinking coffee and picking at a cinnamon roll purchased at the gas station on the way back from the station. Chief kept you busy all night, questioning what you might know of the FBI's interest in Kelly Landrum and how all that got wrapped up with Bradley Kohler. Before he stormed out of the station, unsatisfied with your answers, Chief told you to take a week off, let things cool down. Steve and some local yokels will cover the schedule, even act as security out at the Angerstein house. Luckily, your wife and kids are out of the town, visiting relatives in Austin, and won't be back for a good while. You're on your own. Even though you're dragging, you know you have to get ready for Kelly's funeral at 10 a.m. So right now, it's probably around 8 a.m. I guess I'll start getting ready. You know, the shower, the suit, the shave, the works. The shit. Yeah, that. No, I was going to save that for the funeral. (laughs) God. All right, so you spent some time spiffing up and putting on a suit. Tell me what Aaron's thinking since uh, Kelly was, once upon a time, his girlfriend. You know, really just focusing on uh, trying to think of the good times, not trying to think of all how it ended and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's got to be quite conflicting because, you know, you've married and have kids now, and but uh, you never know what could have been. She wasn't bad or anything, you know, just conflicts of interests and things. She didn't deserve this. That's true. Uh, While Aaron is getting ready, that'll take up most of the time, but it would actually give Jack and Dan time enough to drive over to the Ankerstein house to find that there are barricades up now. And you see a couple good old boys manning the entry to the driveway with shotguns. And you can see Steve Eller's squad car parked over closer to the house. Mm -hmm. What are we going to do? All right, I'm going to pull up. I'm going to get out. I'm going to walk up and... Have my badge ready. Special Agent Whiteside, we have jurisdiction here. Paperwork's back at your office. You need to check that. I need you to clear out now. Did you hear that, Bill? He said we got an office. He spits on the ground and sort of hefts his uh, shotgun a little bit, looking you dead in the eyes. I tell you right now, if you don't follow this rule, you will be arrested and removed and you will no longer be an officer of the law. This is your last warning before I make a call. I'm no officer of the law. I'm just deputized. Somebody's got to cover Aaron's ass while he's gone. And right, Bill. <laughs> you see Steve Ellers standing on the porch, sort of looking down the driveway towards the barricades. And Steve calls out, Is that you, Mr. Whiteside? That is correct. I need you to move this barricade immediately. Oh, we can't do that. The FBI said we had to keep it up. We are the FBI. Well, then you should know. We need to get in. Hang on, hang on. Let, let me come out to you. It's all this yelling. It's just too much on my throat. We need to get in. And he, and he saunters on out, sticks out his hand. How, how you doing this morning? I'm good. I shake his hand. We need to get up to this house. I need you to keep everybody out while we go through it. Oh, no. Chief said uh, we, we got to keep everybody out. It has nothing to do with the chief. This is above him at this point. This comes from the federal government. Well, I ain't seen no paperwork. It's back at your office. You need to check that. You need to get it taken care of. We need to get in there well, now. Right, hang on a sec. I'll, ju- I'll call Cynthia. He whips out his cell phone. Oh, whoa, whoa. Put your cell phone away. That's disgusting. It's this big. You like this? It's a Pixel 2. <laughs> it's real long. Yeah, Cynthia, I, I got Mr. Whiteside. Age- I'm sorry. Agent Whiteside here. And he says he- we got some paperwork or something. Oh, what? Oh, okay. No. Oh, nothing? Okay. All right. No, sorry, Mr. Whiteside. There's, there's, I'm sorry, Agent Whiteside. Uh, there's, there's nothing back at the office. I don't understand what's going on. Uh, you might not have received it yet. You have a fax machine, correct? It's not still telegraph. Oh, yeah. No, it's, yeah, we got fax and, and email, too. We even got email. What the hell's an e-mail? It's okay, Grandpa. We're going back to the home. All right, I'm going I'm to get on my phone, and I'm going to call Skinner right now. Uh, you get her voicemail. 
And there's no response to your text that you sent earlier? Of course not. Because, you know, Roy's the one that communicates, not me. I'm going to leave a voicemail. Skinner, they are putting a roadblock up. We are not able to get into the facility that we need to investigate. I think there might be some artifacts in there that we need to discover. But I am being blocked at this point. Either call me or get this taken care of. We're going to go to the funeral at 10 a.m. We will be back here at 1030. Please have this taken care of. Thank you. If you'd like to make this a priority... See what happens when Roy's dying? Nothing gets done. Well, something's getting done. You're dying. That's fair. Get busy dying or get busy living. Oh, Roy. Shotgun. (laughs) Roy. Molotov. Too soon. It's only been six weeks, dude. So Steve Ellers is looking at Jack Whiteside curiously. And when when you overheard you say artifacts? There any any type of proof that we need that something went on in this house that was criminal. Like like what? Like possibly somebody convinced that poor girl to kill herself or provided her with a weapon to do so. That old junkie? I don't seem like You're entitled to your opinion. I just go by the facts. Which should be at your office. Okay, uh, you're right, sir. I'm just deputy. Let me know if that paperwork comes in. We're just here uh, providing a little bit of security to the folks that are finishing up the house. It's going to be open tomorrow night if you want to come. Oh, I'll come. It's 15 bucks a head. Oh, shit. That's like $30 for me. (laughs) I'm going to get back in the car, and we're going to head on over towards the funeral. So I take it they did not just uh, take your excuse at face value? Well, we're having a little bit of a hiccup when it comes to paper and getting approval. For some reason. In the middle of bumfuck Texas, I'm not surprised that you're having issues receiving electronic. Well, I'm wondering if it's getting blocked. So what, you think they unplugged the fax machine or something? I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, that's pretty simple to not get a message if you unplug it. I mean, if we could get it emailed to us, then we wouldn't have to print it out. You could just, you know, show them your phone. But Yeah, they're not going to believe that at this point, though, Danny. The problem is, is we need our officers on the ground. We need them with us. We need them helping us push in. And at this point, we don't have that support. We cannot do our investigation unless we get that support. So, investigation over. Let's go get some Denny's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hashtag sponsor us, Denny's. <laughs> Grand slam, here I come. So, uh, you guys head over towards the uh, funeral? No, Denny's. No, the funeral is at Denny's. <laughs> so, you make your way over to Galleon Cemetery. It is a large, well-maintained graveyard with uh, headstones that date back quite a long time. Right at the gate, you bump into Aaron Martinez. Hey, Aaron. How you doing? Uh, you know, I'm okay. I'm not having the best time right now. I'm sure you heard what happened with Roy. Thank you. I appreciate that about Roy. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's touch and go right now. We're waiting for an update. I mean, I, I feel kind of responsible for it, you know. Oh, it, it had nothing to do with you. That that guy is, is something else. And we will catch him. He will come to justice. Well, he's in the hospital right now. I don't know why you think you need to catch him. No, no, not Roy. It's Bradley is the issue. Last we heard, we had eyes on him a couple towns over. Mm-hmm. So, it might not be long before he is where he belongs. At the Taco Bell. I was going to say in a small enclosed room with a Molotov cocktail, but... I, I'm not sure if you can do me this favor or not. Aaron, we're waiting on word from headquarters that gives us permission and full jurisdiction here. Is there any way after this funeral that you mind swinging by your headquarters and seeing if anything has come through for us? I mean, I, I, I can try, but... You don't I'm... even have to touch it. You can just text me and let me know that it is there, and I will come and get it myself. I mean, I can try, but I'm not really working down there right now. And they're putting me on leave and stuff because of uh, cause all the stuff that's been happening. Tell them you need to grab something out of your desk or something. You can just, you know, casually glance. I've been, I've been thinking about this a while. I'm going to put in a good word for you for to Skinner. I think you are definitely FBI material. I, I'd appreciate that. I mean, I, I definitely try. I just can't make any promises. Looking and seeing this and, and realizing it was something more than just an accident or a suicide, that's insight. No, he has to roll for that. Oh, oh shit. Uh, that's uh, cleverness. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a roll for that, too. Uh, we really appreciate it, Aaron. All right, we should, we should probably get inside. Yeah. So the three of you walk up towards where, obviously, the gravesite is. It's just a small smattering of uh, folks gathered, not a whole lot of people. Uh, you do recognize Pastor Weaver is there, her father. Just a couple other people that you don't even really recognize. Uh, Mitch is bandaged up. He has a big lump on his forehead. He's looking as if he tried to shave, but he did so very poorly. And he's dressed up in probably what is his finest clothing, but it's uh, seen better days. Maybe hadn't been through the wash properly. Today was probably not the best day to wear my I Party Like an Animal t-shirt. 
right? I'm going to need each of you to give me a spot hidden, please. Uh, I needed a 70. I rolled a 98. So I basically have my hands over my eyeballs. Where'd the funeral go? It was here a second ago, I swear. Uh, I needed a 59 and I rolled a 19. I needed a 60 and I rolled an 88. So I like lost my glasses, I guess. The coffin is very spare. It's basically just above the uh, pit that they <laughs> dug over towards a, uh, an old tree. Looks like it was probably a cherry tree at one point, but it's been dead for quite some time. Her gravesite is a little bit further set apart from uh, most of the others. Mitch is clearly trying to hold back tears, but he also has a weird jittering in his left arm, like maybe he's getting a little bit of the DTs. Pastor Weaver is eyeballing you guys as you approach, and he gives you a nod as you come to the side of the gravesite. Pastor Weaver? Pastor, I'm going to shake his hand. Father. I would say that God has brought us here today, but he cannot be here. Obviously, for apparent reasons, Kelly's departure from this realm will not allow it. Miss Landrum was more troubled than any of us knew. She had her hardships, she had her demons, and we thought that we could have helped her recuperate. But instead, she turned her back on our love and made a terrible, terrible decision to commit her soul to eternal damnation. Now, scripture is very clear that suicide is not the way out, and it's not the way to God's good graces. Everyone is praying, not for Kelly, but for those who may have loved her. And he looks at Aaron specifically, and Mitch gives a a bit of a sniffle, and then Pastor says, let us pray, and bows his head. I don't see any lettuce. Dan, as Pastor Weaver clasps his hands in front of him, you notice two things. One, he does not have a Bible in his hand, but perhaps given the circumstances of the suicide, maybe that he wouldn't uh, necessarily have one. But if he had had one, maybe he could have done a better job of covering up the bandage on his left wrist. After 30 seconds, Pastor Weaver raises his head and says, that'll be all. Thank you. Good day to everyone. And then he wanders away towards uh, his car. And the gravedigger begins to push the button to lower the casket into the ground and gets ready to shovel some dirt on it. I'm going to turn to Jack and say, follow me for a second. I want to show you something. And I'm going to jog up to catch Pastor Weaver before he leaves. Excuse me, Pastor Weaver. Yes, my son. Yes. I'm going to reach out to shake his hand, but I'm going to put my left hand out. So he puts his out as well. Uh, he reaches out with his right hand. And gives you that awkward hand clasp. <laughs> and you notice he's keeping his left hand close to his body. What can I help you with? Wanted to say that uh, looking forward to the haunted house tomorrow. Well, yes, I, we, we are as well. And uh, I hope we have a good crowd. Uh, be sure to tell anybody you know. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be sure to, to, you know, make sure people know. You know, people need to be aware and be taught a lesson that... Things like suicide and other sins are mm -hmm. going to prevent them from entering the pearly gates. I agree. My parents always told me not to speak ill of the dead, but... I'm going to step up to the pastor, and I'm going to give go in for a hug. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> yep, I'm going in for a hug. Whoa, it was just a hug, but if you want to go that far that fast... <laughs> he sort of half-heartedly returns it and pats you on the back. With both hands? No, 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 he keeps his left hand close to his torso. I'm just going to lean in and I'm giving a full hug. Thank you, Pastor. We will find out everything. And then I'm going to let go, turn around, and walk. Why don't you go ahead and give me a roll there, buddy? Okay. I think intimidate sounds like what you were trying to do. Yeah, actually. Throw the fear of God into it? Well, it worked. And I didn't. I needed a 60 and I rolled an 89. I am not in the rolling mood tonight, boys. So he, he rears back from your hug and gives you a bright smile straight to your face and says, I'm sure you will, Agent. Now, if you don't mind, I do have a congregation, a flock to attend to. Flock of seagulls, maybe. Good day, sirs. And he wanders away. I approached Mitch and gave condolences. I, I miss Martinez. Uh, a bad day. Bad day. Well, I, 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 this is a beautiful funeral. It, it, she was a fine girl. I, I'm sorry for your loss. I, I appreciate that, man. I, I know you loved her once upon a time. I'm just so sad things didn't work out. I firmly believe she she's in a better place now. I hope so, I, but the pastor said that she's not, so I, I don't know. I, I think God can look at the whole picture and realize that one mistake she made up for with everything else she did. I hope so. I just, I don't know. I've got so many thoughts in my head right now, and, you know, I could really use a drink. 
I don't know if that's the best thing for you right now. I'm, I know it it feels like it might help, but clearing your head would probably be better. I'm sure you're right. I just, I don't know. I think about Kelly and, and just, I, I think I was wrong what Pastor said. I think, I think you're right. I think she is up there in God's good graces. He must be looking down upon us. And he seems to be a, a vengeful God, doesn't he? At times it can, you know, feel that way, but you just, I, I, I believe there's always a plan. That's how you keep going. Plan. A plan, yeah. I, th- I think you're right, son. Well, I think I got some planning of my own to do. Thanks for coming. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And he wanders off. So you go and rejoin the uh, other two? So I noticed something while the pastor was praying. You noticed how he was hugging his left hand really close to his, his side? I put my left hand out and he tried to grab it with my with his right hand. Well, left-handed handshakes are for Boy Scouts. When he was praying, he forgot for a second and pulled his hand out to clasp. There's a bandage on his left wrist covering something. Hmm, I wonder what happened. I was hoping he'd he'd pull his left hand out to shake and I'd get a better look at it, but he's hiding something. Well, with this whole town is hiding something, Danny. Yeah. The way the police are, are over-aggressive, the way they don't give a, a shit about anybody trying to burn down their huge church fundraiser house, there is something definitely going on in this town. Doesn't look like we're going to get any support, so I think we should just book a flight the fuck out of here. Well, I mean, I I I stick with you guys if if you, I mean, I got nothing to do for the next week. Aaron, I really appreciate that. We just need to get to the bottom of this. You know what I'm wondering? You know everybody in this town. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. I'm wondering if there's any way. Oh boy, this will put you in a spot. Cynthia does like you, if that's what you're asking about. Yeah, she. Told oh, me. I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> They all like me. What I was thinking is if there's somehow we could get you into that house. In uniform, of course. Maybe we could get you to clear it and sneak us in the back. If you're up for that, that really will put your career on the line. I I guess I could try. I just, I would think that like, I I think that the words out that I'm off duty this week, I, I would think. Yeah, that's probably true. Boy, we need to get into that house, but we are... We are running into literal roadblocks. What if you told them that you just wanted, you know, a few minutes where Kelly was last before she passed? Say, so, you know, it's a, it's been a tough day for you. You just went, came from your funeral. You just want, you know, a few minutes in that room to kind of gather your thoughts, see if they can, you know, don't mind clearing everyone out so you can be alone. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could, I'd try it. I mean, they know that we used to date. It wouldn't be too suspicious. I know the tree line back there behind the house, so I know where to sneak in from. So you can lead us around back. We can park right here off this service road, sneak through the tree line, right up to the back door. I don't think I'd need to sneak in. I mean, I feel like if this is the plan, no, I could just tell No, you're good, them. Aaron. You're good to go right in the front and see if they'll see if they'll do that for you. We'll be waiting just outside the back. If we don't hear from you, say 15 minutes after you're trying to do this, we'll realize it didn't work and we'll move on to something better. Okay. I mean, I'd be willing to try. Oh, we really appreciate that. We just want to get to the bottom of this. Make sure there was no foul play. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know exact. I, I'm not sure. I haven't heard anything like crazy but i haven't been that all asking around so i feel like if i started asking i might be able to find some stuff yeah i mean you go with what you can but let, let's get us in that house and then and we'll go from there how's that sound sounds good to me all right let's do it let's head on over you, you get you get your car we'll veer off and we'll, we'll pull up around the back of the tree line i'll get in my car and i'll like ram i'll, I'll pit maneuver them so that way they can get stuck there <laughs> Slash their tires. Slash the tires! Oh. That's the new gimmick is every, like, five or ten minutes, just Roy's soul enters Aaron Martinez's body. <laughs> Aaron pulls up to the barricade while Dan and Jack head around to the field, back road, and the further side of the forest. I presume creep through the forest until you can see the house and to see whether or not Aaron was managed to get through, right? Yeah, we're creeping through the forest. Aaron, you pull up and you see a couple of local yokels, Bill and uh, Ted. Those aren't yokely enough names. Retry. Yeah, but they had an excellent adventure. <laughs> and you know these guys are just a, a couple of Chief Weaver's good old buddies that he goes hunting with. They tend to hang out towards night and shine lights up at possums just so they can kill them. Don't even take the meat. So you know that these guys are uh, pretty rough and tumble. Not the greatest guys in the world. And of course, you know, they're looking at you as you pull up. They recognize your car and they spit on the ground. Hey, hey guys. Well, look who it is, Bill. It's it's that Aaron Martinez. How you doing there, eh? Uh, you know, not so great. Uh, just coming from Kelly's funeral. That's what I hear. 
Hey, how do we look doing your job? I mean, pretty excellent. Not bogus at all, dudes. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, we, we try our best. You know, right in there, right, Bill? And Bill just nods. Well, what can we do for you? I mean, you know, I'm just having a little a bit of a rough time with the whole Kelly thing. I, I was wondering if maybe I could get in there and see if I could see where she last was. Hey, hey, Bill. Bill, did you see Kelly? Yeah, she was a piece, wasn't she? Bill just nods, never taking his eyes off you. Yeah, she she sure was, eh? What, now, why'd you let that pretty little thing go? It was just some differences. Well, you know, you could you could have invited us. You know, I I could have helped you out a little bit if you need some help. I, I, yeah, I, I guess you could have, but I, I was just hoping I could get in, man. I don't I don't want any trouble. Get into where now? Where do you think you're going? I, I don't where Kelly last was. Well, I think she's up at the cemetery. Uh, when she was alive, just maybe get some peace. Oh. Oh, oh! I see what you're saying. I'll get some peace and peace and uh, and comfort. You want you want a little little thinking time? Yeah, do you? I feel like it's something you guys could understand. Well, I I tell you what. I want you to go ahead and give me a persuade roll. <laughs> oh, what's the per? Why are you talking like this? Is some sort of game? Oh, I have an okay number. I figured because he's kind of a dimwit, it'd be worse than this. I, I needed a fifteen. I got a sixteen, so it's a success. You know what, Aaron? Uh, I, I'm just I'm just jerking your chain a little bit. Here's the deal, though. I'll tell you what. Steve's going to head out here and get some coffee in about 15 minutes. So why don't you just uh, park up the road. When you see his car go by, you come on back, okay? And we'll let you in for a couple minutes. But he's just going to go get some coffee. So you want to make right quick, all right? All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That's the best I can do for you, man. We'll we'll lift the blocks for right. you. Thanks, man. I, I, I really I appreciate it. Uh, ain't no thing. We're just all brothers, ain't yeah. we? I don't know why I'm from the South all of a sudden, but, you know. War of Northern Aggression. All right, so now what? We have 15 minutes of dead air while we wait? Yep, and co. <laughs> you head back out to park at the end of the drive, and meanwhile, Dan and Jack. In the Hall of Justice. Are oh. creeping through the forest, being very careful and sly. Why don't each of you give me a... Stealth roll. Oh, not a fighting brawl roll. <laughs> fighting bra? That's weird. I'm 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 fighting the forest. Does that count? <laughs> How about you? Hey, I passed something. Uh, I needed a sixty. I rolled a forty-nine. I needed a twenty-eight. And I rolled a ninety-eight. Oh, you died. Ooh, that's rough, buddy. Uh, did you want to try to re-roll that? No. Push the roll, man. <laughs> no. <laughs> Spend the luck, dude. Spend all 50 points of my luck. That actually still wouldn't be enough. Jack is very stealthily and skillfully moving through the forest that he knows so well. Dan is trailing slightly behind him. He gets a little distracted. Maybe his eyesight's not as good inside the uh, the dim interior of the uh, forest. Hey, guys, I'm out in this great coat made out of tin cans. Dan, as you're creeping along, you realize that you've lost sight of Jack. He was to your left, up about maybe 20 feet in front of you, but he must have darted behind some trees. And you've kind of lost your bearings a little bit. Jack! Jack! Where, where'd you go? Um, hello? You see you see some movement. It looks like he's moved up to the right now. You thought he was on your left, but he's actually up about 40 feet on your right. You can see some uh, see him uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to catch up to where I saw that movement. As you sprint a little bit towards the uh, the movement. Trip on a tree root and take nine points of damage and die. No, uh, you, you get a little bit closer and the, it's becoming more and more dim within the uh, forest. And a cloud passes in front of the sun. Suddenly you realize that you've caught up to Jack. Except he's hanging from a branch about 20 feet up, dangling down. His feet brushing against your forehead and blood dripping down onto your face. I'm going to need you to make a sanity roll. Well, of course you are. You sure that's not a fighting brawl roll? <laughs> Good thing you put points into that, you dumbass. <laughs> I needed 66, I rolled a 61. You are going to take one point of sanity damage as you see Jack Whiteside dangling by his neck. He sees my white side? From a rope, and his blood dripping down from his mouth, spattering onto your face. You draw in breath to scream, Jack... I'm going to need you to make a dexterity roll to in order to prevent Dan from screaming. I needed a 60. I rolled a 67. Let's play games where you don't have to roll. Do you want to spend any luck at all? Yes, I'm going to spend all of my luck. Get it down to two. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'll spend seven. All right, go ahead and mark that off. Jack, you realized a moment ago that Dan was no longer behind you. So you backtracked a little bit and you saw him 
walking the other way, sort of to the right instead of the left, following you for whatever reason. And so you started, you know, crossing the distance to catch up to him stealthily. And that's when you saw a tree pass between the two of you. And then he is standing underneath a body hanging from a tree limb. And he just seems to be shocked. He's looking up at it. Blood is spattering from the corpse's mouth onto his face. And you realize that he's going to scream. And you quickly rush forward and clamp your hand over his mouth. And that's when you notice, Jack, that the body is Bradley Kohler. <sighs> Two towns over my ass. Wow, that's really skillful if your ass is that far over. Danny. I'm going to start flailing. I grab him and pull him into me. Danny, Danny, it's Bradley. It's not me, it's Bradley. I said it's Bradley. Oh, wait, no, because it was... I'm going to look back up at the, the hanging body. Take a breath. And you can see that it is somebody completely different who you've never met. I swear I looked at that and it was you and I was just freaking out because middle of the woods, uh, weird Danny. things. Danny. What? I love you. What the hell are you doing? I, um, I just said, are you okay? <laughs> are you still hallucinating? Yes, I do want to have our honeymoon in Tijuana. <laughs> All right, that sounds great, sweetheart. I don't know what's going on. Danny, what? we, we got to call this in. What are we going to say? Not calling, I am not calling it in to the locals. You want to call Skinner? I'm calling Skinner again. I call Skinner. Go straight to voicemail. Actually, no signal, remember? Oh, that's right. All right, I'm going to uh, type a text out that is as much detail as I can see, and I'm going to take a photograph, and I'm going to hit send, and then once it gets a signal, it will send automatically. Got it. Danny, we gotta keep moving. If he's up there, we gotta meet him or he's gonna think the plan is not working. I know this sent us back about 14 minutes, but <laughs> we gotta get up there. Didn't didn't we get a message from the FBI that he was over two towns? What the hell is he doing? Well, it, it, it said that he was potentially spotted two towns over. It wasn't a confirmation. Damn this town. Danny, focus. Okay. All right, let's get moving. Sooner we get away from that thing, the better. So wiping the blood from his eyes, Dan continues to follow Jack Whiteside to the edge of the forest where they see Steve Ellers pull away and go through the barricade. And then a few moments later, Aaron Martinez comes through, talks to the guys, and is uh, let through the barricade. Nice. Danny. He's in? Hug that tree line. Let's get right up there. You got it. I reach around the tree and give it a really big hug. I said the whole line, not just one. <laughs> <laughs> Hug the tree, get off, walk to the next one, hug the tree. Whoa, you can recuperate that quick to get off? <laughs> so Aaron, you make your way through the uh, barricade, uh, Bill and Ted let you through, and uh, you drive slowly up to the front porch, and you can see at the very edge of the tree line, you can see two little figures racing, keeping low through the backyard, essentially making their way back to the uh, back porch. I'll start screaming and waving at them. Hey, guys! <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go in and f pay my respects! <laughs> Over here. I lost my specs! Uh, no, I'll enter into the room in question. All right, so uh, you get out of your car, walk up to the front porch, and you can see Dawn Ellers working in one of the tents, and she kind of looks at you and is like, Hey, hey, Aaron, how's it going? Uh, yeah. Are you coming back from Kelly Kelly's funeral? Yeah, so it's not going great. I was just going to go try and pay my respects, you know. Oh, okay, I got you. Well, yeah, it should, should be open. Uh, you can go ahead and go inside. I know uh, some folks went out to lunch, so there shouldn't be too many people in okay, there. Okay, that's good. I, I appreciate it. All right. And she goes back to work. So then I'll go to the room. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mom. Aaron goes in, and, and basically it's right here. It's the parlor. Start looking around, see what I can find. Dan and Jack uh, creep over to the back porch. Are you going to enter back in through hell, Jack? Yeah, oh yeah. I'm ready this time. I've got my, uh, my pocket watch, bitch. We bought the anti-snake spray at the, at the survival store. <laughs> anti-snake spray? Snake away. Jack and Dan sneak up onto the back porch and find the uh, back door to the kitchen open. You crawl in and you can see now that the kitchen, which is made up to be a cavernous hell, is much more complete than the last time you saw it, Jack. It looks like it's pretty well done for prime time. There are some glowing LED lights that make it look orange and flickering purple lights, very hellish. And you do start to get a familiar sensation, a prickle along your spine. Sorry, I'll stop scratching you back there. Danny, 
This is where it happened to me last time. Be careful. There's something in this room. In here? Just be on your toes. So you creep through into the kitchen, and you can see through the pass-through across the dining room where Roy had once upon a time plunked a board in straight into his face, <laughs> Looney Tunes style. And you can see directly into the parlor where Aaron is sort of looking around the room. Aaron! i like, uh, swat away the mosquito that's obviously making noise. <laughs> How'd that mosquito know my name? This house is haunted. <laughs> uh, now I'll look around and then when I see where he is, walk up to him. Hello, people who just snuck into the house. I think it worked. Danny, we need to start at the top floor up in the attic and work our way down. I want to find anything that has to do with what's going on in here. Maybe the, the, the bloody power tools are still up there. Bloody power tools? Yeah, yeah. Last time uh, I was in the attic, you remember with the glass on my face? Yeah, I remember the glass on your face. I don't remember you saying bloody power tools. Let's go. Bloody tools. You're a tool. For so that guy I met at the gym is up there? Yeah. Who's Jim? Do your best, Aaron, to cover for us. Pretend like you need more time, whatever it takes. We're going to need about 10 or 15 minutes, all right? Okay. I'll, you know, I'll just do, I'll do my best. Danny, go. We're going to work our way up all the way to the top floor. Not stopping for anything. All right. Just creeping stealthily through the hallway and then uh, basically up the stairs to that back bedroom where the attic trap door is. You can see the ladder is obviously still in place, so you can go straight on up. And it looks very dark up there. And you're in the attic. Meanwhile, Aaron... You're looking around the parlor, noticing that with some unease that it is now fully transformed into a schoolroom with fake blood spots here and there, which you assume will be highlit during the performance tomorrow night. And uh, you can indeed see that there are some spotlights that are directly trained on uh, some of these. Why don't you go ahead and give me a spot hidden? I needed a 60. I got a 38. You notice a little... What appears to be a loose board along the floor. It's it's basically a piece of trim in one corner. It's in the southwest corner of the room, directly below the chalkboard. I'll step on it. It hit my head. <laughs> um, I'll go inspect that, see what that's about, lift it up, etc. Roll for etc. <laughs> it easily peels away, almost as if someone had purposely carved away a piece of the trim very skillfully, and tried to hide it so that to the naked eye it wouldn't be very visible, but it was very easily opened once you realized that there was a little bit of a gap there. And inside you see automatic pistol magazines. Let's go back up to Jack and Dan as they ascend to the attic. So you enter the darkened interior of the attic. Ollie Ollie Oxen Free? Danny, what do you see? Not a whole lot. It's kind of darker up here than it was the last time. I'm going to pull out my flashlight. I'm going to pull out my phone as well and turn on the flashlight. I'm going to scour, start in the far corner and scour in. Uh, so you're splitting up, essentially? Uh, one on each side. Obviously, like, a, what, two people away from each other, shoulder-wise? Moving along the... Moving south? I'm going to keep an eye out for that box of tools that I saw. Preferably nothing jumps out at me. <laughs> and then once we get farther back, I'm going to try and see if I can't find that photo that had that weird crest on it that I tried to grab when I was showered with glass. Dan, uh, you do see, like, really 10 feet away from the attic door, that, that same box. It hasn't been moved. And you see there are some saws, some knives, looks like maybe a drill bit, a claw hammer, and it's just got a little bit of blood on it. Here, Jack, Jack, come here. This is what I was talking about. I'm going to pull him over to the, the box and show him the tools. What do you got? Looks like some tools that maybe had been mishandled, and whoever mishandled him probably got hurt in some way, shape, or form. I don't see too much. Are these the tools you were talking about earlier? Yeah, yeah. When I was um being backed out of the attic by some shadow thing, I saw these covered in blood. and So there was more blood on them than now? At the time, I thought I saw more. Let's keep looking. Let's see what we can find. Uh, when we get near the back of the attic, I was looking through the stacks of photo boxes. There was one or a couple of photos that had a really weird, like, um, a family crest uh, on on them. Okay. We need to keep an eye out for those because I have a feeling that those might have something to do with whatever is happening here. Well, let's let's go together and look at that. Show me right now. Let's head right there. Okay. I'm going to take them to the back. The south was it the southwest corner of the attic. It was, yep. It was southwest behind a uh, full-length mirror, I believe it was. It looks like the boxes have been picked up since they last fell on your face. And some of the glass, obviously, has been swept up. So someone has been up here to pick up 
recently, you very quickly see the box that has a picture frame or a series of picture frames. It's like a box full of picture frames. The one that sort of stands out to you in particular is the the one that has the uh, Angerstein symbol on it, the, the family sigil. You notice that it has been neatly stacked again, but it's it's down lower, so it's not going to fall on your face or anything. Here, this is this is this is what I was reaching for last time when I got showered with glass. I'm gonna reach up and grab that photo or that frame, I guess, and pull it down. So Dan reaches up and pulls out the photo, and he notices it's the photo of what must have been the Angersteins once upon a time. Uh, looks like a very old photo. You'd probably put it maybe late 1800s, let's say. You are very shocked to see the photo looks somewhat familiar. The man and woman who are standing in the photo. The man is Charles Blaine. And the woman is Samantha. But Jack doesn't see this because he started getting a tingling sensation as you pass by the full-length mirror. And Jack, you recognize also that there is the Angerstein sigil at the very top of it. So it's a very old mirror. But you also recognize some more familiar symbols carved into the base. Some symbols that you may have seen in a book your grandmother owned, or your jima, as you like to say, voodoo symbols. And I think that's where we need to call it, guys. Ooh, son of a bitch! Holy shnikes. All right, you guys want to launch into Recommendos? Yes, yes, yes! Sure. All right, let's do it. Let's start off with Gabe. All right, well, I have a TV show for y'all. It is British. It is called Toast of London. It has, if you've ever seen the IT crowd, the second boss, the, like, bigger guy, Matt Berry, in it. It's his show. And the whole thing is just really bizarre. So I love it, obviously. It is about an actor in London whose name is Stephen Toast. And basically everything that goes on in the show, like there's seasons long, season long jokes that don't make sense. It's also part of a music. It's partly a musical, like almost every episode has a song that he sings and his voice is actually extremely good, which you wouldn't expect from him. For example, like almost every actor that's not a real actor in the show, pretty much all of them have names that are like just things like he's Stephen Toast. There's Ray Purchase. There's Ken Schweppes. It's like just real things and that's their last name. And here's here's an example of the kind of comedy that's going on there. There's one of them, one of the guys in it is like a total sex pest. And he's like dating this girl who's a Nigerian princess or something. I, I'm not going to say Nigerian. I, don't, I forget. So some kind of African princess who's obsessed with plastic surgery to the point where she ends up looking like Bruce Forsyth. But he loved Bruce Forsyth as a kid so he's like trying to get with her even more that's a toast of london all right sounds pretty surreal yes it does all right well my recommendo for this week is mindhunter is a netflix series created by david fincher and he directs some of the episodes as well following essentially the genesis of the behavioral science unit in the fbi who established what a serial killer is where you might think this would be a sort of ripoff of seven what David Fincher is best known for. Instead, is more like his other work, Zodiac. So it's a, a more of a character piece, a slow burn, the establishment of what a serial killer is and their methodology. It's really fascinating. It's, it's sort of slowly paced, but it's also very well-written, very intellectual. And we discovered late in the game that each of the episodes is also structured around a central theme. And so what is happening in the characters' lives is also what the um, the root cause of maybe what a serial killer's problem is. So what caused them to become a killer is also sort of infecting or influencing the characters' lives in a different way. So there's some nice parallels going on there. It's really 
intense in some spots because they do show some corpse photos that are pretty graphic. And of course, the language and the um, the descriptions of what's going on are, are also very graphic. So not for the faint of heart, but it's still a, like a riveting piece of drama. Maybe seems like a horror show, but it's, it's kind of not. I'm really looking forward to season two. We just finished it last night and I highly recommend Mindhunter. All right, let's do Brian next. All right, mine is actually Netflix. It's called Crazy Head. It's originally a British series. It's in its second season. British girl finally gets uh, off of her meds, slowly weaned off of her meds from her psychologist. She used to see things, and we're not sure what she saw until she's leaving the doctor's office and looks across the street and sees a gentleman watching her. Not sure what that's all about, and then she glances back, and his face is glowing and concaved and rotten. Come to find out, she can see demons. She's a seer, and she runs across another girl that is also a seer and they get into some adventures i don't want to ruin it because it literally right off the bat the first episode you find out some key information about what's going to happen in the next eight to ten episodes pretty interesting show it's got the british humor so it's not it's not taking itself seriously which is great highly recommend get get two or three episodes in and and, uh, and give it a feel see if you like it Good dialogue, great character building, and it's funny. So you get a lot of you got you get a lot of everything. It's called Crazy Head. How about you, Matthew? This week I have a very lovely indie game that goes by the name Dead Cells. It's a roguelite that has uh, very Metroidvania roots to it. Dark Souls esque combat. Uh, you play an unnamed protagonist who has died and finds himself in the basement of this weird of this strange castle. It's up to you to fight your way through all these these really strange areas and levels and all this stuff to try and get out to to escape this castle. However, it's one life only as most roguelites are and once you die you go back to the start but every single time you run through this castle it changes so the theme of the area is the same but it's a totally different layout every single time so it's up to you to to puzzle your way through to you know deal with the enemies to collect what are called cells which the enemies drop in order to to buy upgrades you know give yourself more health there's, you know, a, a whole lot of depth in terms of combat, too, with the, the weapon system they have. You have, you know, big swords that swing slowly, but do a lot of damage, smaller daggers, and it's a, a huge breadth of weapons, and it really gives anyone any kind of playstyle you could want. Super addictive. Sweet. That sounds like a lot of fun. Well, guys, that's going to be it for this episode of the Lovecraft Tapes. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, or anywhere you download your regular podcasts. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Meanwhile, you can find us at thelovecrafttapes.com with links to all our social media, including Facebook, Reddit, YouTube, and our wiki. Links to our recommendos can also be found on our website. You can find me on Twitter at Lovecraft Tapes. If anyone knows how Photoshopped worked back in the 1800s, hit me up on Twitter at the Real Weird Kid. And if you want someone that you can follow and have no nothing coming into your inbox, you can follow me at Lovecraft Gabe. And me as well at Brian Podcasts. All right, guys, until next time, roll for sanity. The Lovecraft Tapes is copyright 2017. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com.